0: I want to consider a practical ethics question on euthanasia today. There is no moral difference between actively ending a life by euthanasia and omitting to treat the patient. Discuss. Now this is a, a kind of question that could easily come up one year in the OCR exam because it's mentioned specifically in the syllabus but it's a question that I don't think students necessarily prepare very well for. So first of all, we need to define what euthanasia is. Active euthanasia means actively administering a drug, either oneself or perhaps an assistant, to hasten death and is generally held in our society to be morally unacceptable. Passive euthanasia means withholding treatment and is generally held to be morally acceptable, for example, when turning off a life support machine. And in countries such as the Netherlands, test cases continue to define the parameters of legal euthanasia. For example, whether a living will choosing death can be carried out after somebody gets dementia? Can it actually be carried out? And it was confirmed as legal in the Netherlands in a test case in 2019. Also a doctor who slipped a sedative into an Alzheimer patient's coffee before administering a lethal drug drug, was acquitted of of breaking Dutch euthanasia laws because of this confirmed consent. Dutch law requires earnest and full conviction. And the judge ruled, we believe that given the deeply demanding condition of the patient, the doctor did not need to verify her wish for euthanasia. Now, euthanasia fairly clearly breaks the Hippocratic Oath where doctors promise, I will not prescribe a deadly drug to please someone nor give advice that may cause his death. Some argue that breaking this covenant between doctor and patient fundamentally alters the perception of the medical profession. But I have to say that my experience uh, many years ago was was actually witnessing a doctor prescribing uh, a large dose of morphine to a patient at the end of their life. And so clearly this kind of euthanasia at the end of life does exist, occasionally, in the UK. Moral factors also include the balance of harm and benefit to the patient, the issue of autonomy and choice, the social and family context and the motive of the person involved in the act of euthanasia. And people such as Lord Alton argue that a slippery slope will emerge whereby vulnerable people are pressurised to choose death. And that's why euthanasia should never be legalised. Now the idea of voluntary euthanasia is problematic because pain, you could argue, distorts our vision of life. And people who are chronically ill may feel hopeless and depressed, even when cures and palliative care are enhanced quality of life remain a possibility. And Daniel James, a, a young man paralysed in a rugby accident in 2008, chose to die, even though many might have argued that he still had the potential for fulfilling life. James Rachels produces a case to try and establish that there is no moral difference between actively killing and simply failing to act. Someone, he argues, lets a child who has slipped in the bathtub drown in order to inherit the child's money, that is, letting die. And someone else pushes a child down in the water to drown him or her in order to inherit the money, actively killing them. James Rachel's concludes active euthanasia is not any worse than passive euthanasia. His argument is that since the outcome is the same and both acts lead directly to a patient's death, there is no moral difference between active and passive euthanasia. Now Rachel's notice is a consequentialist argument quite similar to utilitarianism or other consequentialist ethics. That says nothing important about other moral factors, such as motive, in this his own example, very wicked, relatives and the effect on them, the autonomy and choice of the individual, or the social context generally of euthanasia, whereby changing the law could radically alter certain social relations. Now, Barack Brody thinks it's a mistake to conclude on the basis of one case, such as that given by James Rachel, Rachel's and the drowning in the bath, that there is no moral difference between killing and letting die. What is the clinical relevance of this moral distinction? Brody asks. And isn't it that one implication is that while we need not fund all sorts of life-saving treatments, We should not kill people in order to avoid paying for their support in hospital. Geoffrey Bishop, in a book in 2006, published 2006, claims that voluntary active euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide should not be legalised because too much that is important about dying and living will be lost. He argues there has been a shift in the metaphysical meaning of death. In embracing this metaphysics of efficiency, as he calls it, that is to say, in embracing the final effect in the series of cause and effects, namely death, one precludes the possibility of healing in that robust sense of human purpose, meaning and experience. It changes. Our understanding, says Geoffrey Bishop, fundamentally of what it means to be human. Now, the Aristotelian worldview that we have a final cause or ultimate purpose to flourish as human beings has been abandoned in this argument of Rachel's in place of a causal view of the world, that we are locked into a chain of cause and effect. If the cause includes intolerable suffering, then, so these modern arguments go; we are morally permitted to break the chain and actively choose death. Now, the Christian view holds that there is meaning in our life in our suffering and in our death. So the Catholic Church teaches in the pastoral constitution of the modern of the church in the modern world number twenty seven I quote. Euthanasia and willful suicide are offences against life itself, which poison civilisation. They debase the perpetrators more than the victims, and militate against the honour of the creator. So, says the, argues the Catholic Church, there is a deep, deeply debasing effect of allowing euthanasia in our society. Martha Minow, spelled M-I-N-O-W in 1996, asks this question. Which lie do you countenance? The lie that euthanasia does not already happen or the lie that it can be controlled without having repercussions well beyond the limits of procedural mastery. You need to think about that question perhaps and come to your own conclusion. And others argue that the slippery slope argument such as that given by lord alton is a false one checks are placed to stop the slide towards a widespread social pressure for euthanasia such as the check that exists in the state of oregon united states that you need two independent doctors to verify the patient's choice 3 weeks apart remember when you write your essay on this question come to a strong and clear conclusion. You can find articles and extracts on the euthanasia debate and a marked essay on the PepEd website. Just go to peped.org and enjoy.